0: This week, Pastor Paul talks about the importance of opening our heart to the Lord and giving him permission to come into our lives. All right, so the palm branches are being taken care of. I will explain what we're going to do with this in a couple of minutes. I'm going to need vocal participation from you as well during the sermon. We're going to read Psalm 24 a couple of times and you're going to you're going to participate in it. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you a joke. Oh no, Amy knows it, and, and I'm going to tell you the punchline of the joke before I tell you the joke because I really want to make a point with this. Okay, the punchline joke. Okay, but you got to shorten it down. Okay, okay. I heard this joke from my son Matt, and um, I'm going to let him tell the joke. All right, Matt, volunteer to do it. Okay. Okay, and then um, so there's the punchline for the joke. And then you've got to shorten it down. Don't do the long version. Go.
1: Okay, so a moth walks into a podiatrist's office. And the podiatrist goes, Moth, what's wrong? What are you doing at the podiatrist's office? And the moth goes, What's wrong? What's wrong, Doc? Geez. Where do I even start? I work for this guy named Gregor Alinovich. And Gregor Alinovich had his workplace. I don't know what I do, but I, I just know I doesn't know what I do. Uh, he just knows I work for him. And that that gives him some kind of sweet sweet pleasure to have power over me then i go home doc and i go home and i see my wife an old woman doc a woman i once loved doc and i look at her and i see an empty exoskeleton of a woman who understood me and then then doc i look at my son and i and i see my son and here's the kicker doc i don't love him cuz he reminds me of me and then doc i look i look in the mirror and I see my empty exoskeleton. The moth I used to be. Someone with a plan who would take life and grab it. And just reach for it. And take it by the horns, doc. And then, doc. And turn at night. And I look over onto the bedstand. To the nightstand. And I see it. A fully cocked and loaded shotgun. And I ask myself, doc. Do I have the strength to do it? Do I, can I end it all? And no, doc. Cause I'm weak. I can't do it. <laughs> And then the doc and then the doctor, the podiatrist goes, Wow moth, you got some real problems there. But why why are you looking at me, a podiatrist? Shouldn't you being shouldn't you be seeing a psychiatrist? And the moth goes, I saw the light on.
0: Every day. Every day. So you guys know how to pray for angels. You know, because it, it, you knew the punchline was coming, you just had to figure out where. It, and uh, so I'm going to do a couple of spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. If you've not seen um, the Avengers Infinity War, I'm going to spoil it for you. You know, Thanos, he gets all the rings and he turns half of the people in the dust. If you haven't seen it, oh, no, that's, I'm sorry I ruined it for you, okay? But, but the spoiler alert, the other spoiler alert, if you've ever seen the movie The Sixth Sense you've ever seen that movie, you know, the Bruce Willis character, Malcolm, he's dead throughout the whole entire thing, except for you don't know it when I was at the blood bank. My boss, Tom, he said, he said Paul, you've got to see this movie, but I can't talk to you about it because, because the ending is so traumatic. Well, I told you about the ending. Now, don't see it, so I'm sorry if I ruined the movies for you. It's an old movie, yeah, but some of them might have forgotten it. You know, I say that because we're, we're looking at Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, sometimes we, we rush through Palm Sunday because there's a whole bunch of events that happen later on in the week. And, and I, I don't want us to get spoiled knowing the conclusion that the disciples, they abandon him. The Pharisees and the, and the Romans, they kill him. They crucify him. And then we're going to celebrate his resurrection. And he's got a tough week in front, but I, I don't want us to get there. I want us to focus in on Jesus going in and entering Jerusalem. Okay, so, so now you know how it's going to end, but let's focus in on that. I'm going to put some cultural background into it. In order to do that, in order to do that, we need to look at Psalm 24. Psalm 24. I'm going to read the white, and you're going to read the yellow. And then later on, I'm going to divide you up into sections. But we're going to read this because it comes into play in what happened on the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Psalm 24. You guys ready? Alright, the earth is the Lord's, the world, he found it on the seas, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, the one who has, who does not, they will receive blessing from the Lord. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, God Lift up your heads, you gates, Be lifted up, you doors. that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, mighty. The Lord, and All right, you guys are doing great. Lift up your heads, you gates. That the King of Glory. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of Glory. You guys are going to love the rest of the sermon because you guys did a great job. And you guys, it was awesome listening to you singing. That was so good. So what would happen would be on the first day of the week, the first day of the week, which we know is Sunday, first day of the week, a priest, he would read that psalm. Every Sunday, the priest and the Levitical choirs, they would read that song, and the end of it is kind of a call and response. Imagine he's reading and he's asking this question, Who is he? Who is this king of glory? And so the psalm can be divided up into three parts. The first part is the question, And we know that he is God. He is the king of all. If you have your handouts, begin filling this out, because this psalm plays an important process, an important point, into Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Who is he? He is the king of all. Why is he the king of all? Because he created everything. He has all authority. Because he created everything, he has all authority. When we think of the debate between Christians and evolutionists, it's really a debate of who's going to have authority. Are we going to to submit to God's authority in our life? Or are we going to submit to our great, 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 grand ape? And then from him, the, the black goo that we came out of. Who? If, if we don't submit to God as our authority, then who is ultimate authority? The debate over in evolution versus creation is, is, is ultimately who has authority. The verse says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. Everything. Everything is God's. Everything God says, mine. It breaks his heart when one of his rejects him. And at the end of their life, they, they stay rejected, and he has to keep them away from him for eternity. Because they're his. And then he has to send them away, send them to outer darkness, because they rejected him. Everything is his. He has mine. The Dutch theologian says, everything in all creation, God gets to say, mine, mine, because he created it all. He created all, He has all authority. Part one, Part two: therefore, who can enter his presence? This is the God, the God who created it. And then so the psalmist says, "Well, well, he's created, he has all authority. Who can come into the presence of this God? And he lists four character qualities that say, four issues and he who has clean hands. He who has clean hands. This doesn't mean that, that you, if you wash your hands, you can get into the presence of God. We, we kind of understand this. This is an idea of those who keep the commandments of God. Those who haven't shed blood. Those, those who, who wash their hands. The rights and obedience to God. Those are the ones who can enter his presence. The second person is those who have a pure heart. The pure heart is the integrity of heart. Loving God with all of your heart. Your emotions. You, you've got, and you committed your life to God. Who can enter the presence of God? Who can enter the one who has all authority? The one with clean hands, and the one with a pure heart. The one who does not worship idols. The one who says, yes, ten commandments, you should there should have no other gods before me. And so you have submitted, you have made God your God, and you have not said God plus whatever else. You have not added to God, and therefore you do not worship idols. And the third and the last words. The person who speaks truthfully and honestly and, and, and doesn't lie and doesn't deceive and, and talks to their friends and neighbors in honest and truthfulness. Who can enter the presence of the God Almighty, the one with clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not worship idols? Who loves her neighbors and look at the promise. The promise is they will receive a blessing from the Lord. They will receive mercy and god's salvation and so when you do that there's a there's an aspect of great grace you are blessed from the lord you have clean hands you have a clean heart you you're not worshiping idols and 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 you're speaking truth and god says because of that i'm going to bless you you're not living in disobedience you're not living in rebellion you're not living living depending on other things instead of god and as a result god blesses you you will receive mercy who needs mercy? The person who is guilty needs mercy. The person who has done something wrong, they need mercy in God's graces. I forgive you. I accept you. And, and I bring you into my presence, the God of his salvation. And that's what we're celebrating today, next week, next year. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ has brought you into the presence of God through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Part 2 qualifies those who can get in. Part three is kind of a call and a response. Part three, now, now, that, now that you know who's going who's gonna to let the king of glory into their heart, who's going to invite him in, it says he is at the gate. And so so it, this, this aspect of it, these last couple of verses, are kind of like an aspect of, there's a tradition, the English probably stole it from this, is when a king, a noble person, would come to the gate in an old English community and there was a gate and there was a king the king would stop at the gate and the herald would say the king is here and the person the gatekeeper would say who is here and the herald would say the king is here and there'd be a celebration and they'd repeat it and it was an opening up of the gate to confirm that the king was there we're gonna gather and we're gonna read it in three different parts and so if you're in the middle you're the green part you're gonna get the green words if you're on the two sides, you're going to be the gatekeepers. You're going to be um, the white words. Okay, you got it. Sides, you got it. Middle, you got it. Okay, I'm going to try to do the yellow, and I, I put something on alongside the screen so that you can see it. But but this is imagine imagine this gatekeeper and a herald, and and the choir. The green is the choir. You're going to proclaim what's going on. The sides, you're going to be the gatekeeper. You want to know what's who's coming in, and the herald. Proclaims who he is. Watch this. Ready? Green, go. Okay. In the in the, in the days that be the Levitical choir would be singing this. Okay. Sides, they did a really good job. Okay. Robbie's here, and Robbie's going to pull it all off. Okay. Okay. But I think, yeah. Sides, you're next. Go ahead. Who is this King of Glory? And so and so, since you are the gatekeepers, the choir sang, and you want to say, Hey, who is this King of Glory? And the herald says, It is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And now we would get to repeat this again. Go ahead, Green.
1: Lift up your Lift
0: them up, White. Okay, yellow. That's me. Um. <laughs> I knew that I was just kidding. OK. OK, the Lord Almighty, He is the king of glory, and the gates open wide, and we invite the king into the presence of the city, into the community, right? And, and you see the picture, you picture that was going on every first day of the week. The priest, the choir. The herald, and they would sing, and they would look forward to this king coming in through the gates. That was written by David. A thousand, a thousand years later, a thousand years later, we've got some tension now in the city of Jerusalem. Rome has, has Jerusalem kind of like its thumb is on their heads. Some things that are going on. There is a fortress in the city. The Fortress of Antonia is there, and and the Antonia Fortress holds close to 600 Roman soldiers. It's about 14 stories tall. Its shadow, on some days, covers the temple, because Rome wanted the Jews to know that they were always under the shadow of the presence of Rome. The priests, every time Rome decided, every time the a Jew's wanted to do a Passover or another festival. The Rome said, "Well, priest, you can come get the vestments, but they're going to be kept in the in the fortress." And so the priests are going to go, "Hey, it's Passover. We need we need the priestly garments." And the Romans would say, "Sure, you can have them. You got to give them back." And then not only would that happen, but but the priest, the Rome would also have an influence as to who the high priest was the jews could pick him out but rome rome had ultimate authority to approve that person and you could see rome you could see the jews just being oppressed let me read a quote from a guy named josephus about what was going on at that time he says a roman cohort roman gathering was permanently quartered there at the festivals they took positions in arms around the porticos to watch and repress any insurgency movement Imagine on the building, the fortress that's overlooking, and you, the temple. They can watch the temple, the glistening gleam of a Roman soldier's spear and his hat as he watches and he sees. Is there anything of insurrection going on? Are they going to rebel against us? Are they are going to are they going to come at us? What's going to happen? And so the Roman soldiers are on duty. They're on their station. As a cohort, the soldiers just watching the festivities. They come to the office. They say, "We need the vestments because we have another festival going on." And they said, okay, they give them, but you've got to give them back. Imagine, uh, imagine they, they, want, they want away from the Roman influence like, like a bad disease. They, they, they constantly want out. They constantly want out. And so, so they hear this verse that is associated with Jesus writing in that we see. And listen to what it says. Zechariah 14, 3. Then the Lord God will go out and fight against those nations as he has fought against in the times past. And they're going, amen, praise God. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And so they interpreted that in the verse we're going to get to in a moment from Zechariah 9, that, that the Messiah would come in from the Mount of Olives, and he would redeem, and he would rescue, and he would, from the presence and the oppression of the Roman government. You've got to understand this in order to understand when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Jesus, meanwhile, he was upsetting the status quo. You guys know this, right? You guys know that Jesus just, he just didn't come in as, a, as somebody that nobody knew. He came in, and he, was a, he, he was not from the traditional rabbinical school. In other words, he wasn't approved by the future rabbis. Okay, this guy's really good. He's really smart. He's, he's got his all things together. He's got the whole entire Bible put together um, and memorized and, and he's good. He's followed in my feet. No, Jesus comes from completely outside of the system. And that upsets some of the rabbis. Jesus also The people loved him. There were people that that followed him everywhere he went. They loved him. The children loved him. Remember the stories of, of Jesus allowing little children into his lap? Oh, not only that, but the sinners loved him. So much so that they would throw little parties for him, and they would have gatherings for him. Oh, what is this guy doing? Why is he hanging out with the sinners, was their accusations. But Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Some of the religious leaders would come to him. Nicodemus came to him, not, at, not during the middle of the day, he came to him at a little night to seek questions from him. The crowds followed him everywhere he went, from one side of the lake to the other. Crowds followed him. And when they followed him, he fed them. He took care of them. He confounded the leaders. And so the Pharisees, they, they attempted to, to stump him. I shouldn't have said that. They, compared, they They tried to to always confuse him, and they couldn 't do it. The Sadducees tried to do the same thing and they tried to confound his wisdom and they couldn 't do it religious uh legal, lawyers legal authorities people who knew a lot they, they tried to entrap him and get him to say things against him that that wasn't true and didn't work. He was confounding the authorities Jesus was upsetting the status quo he was gaining influence seems like To the religious leaders, more and more people were putting their faith in him. And not just the Jews. According to John, Greeks were also starting to follow him. And so he was gaining influences. We know that Samaritans, half breeds, kind of followed him. The Greeks started to follow him. Jews were starting to follow him. This was causing an uproar. Status quo, you got the tension mounting. Rome is over your authority, they're pushing you down. You got this guy named Jesus who's upsetting the status quo. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something happens. All of a sudden, things start to go wrong. He's doing miracles. The blind are seeing. At first, he starts with simple water to wine. Oh, that's, that, that's a good parlor trick. Good job, guy. And then, then all of a sudden, the blind can see. They call the blind in for a testimony, and he goes, Do you want to believe also? And they kick. The lame can walk, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak. and and people are being healed, and and, and the crux of it all is that Lazarus, Lazarus, having been dead for four days, Lazarus comes out of the tomb. An amazing miracle. Confounded. Confounded. It it bewilders the religious leaders, and then they gather. What are we going to do about him? What are we going to do about him? And they make a plan. They make a plot. Passover is coming. They say if anybody sees him, Capture him so that we can put him to death. Because as better as one man die for the whole community, than the whole community dies. it's its plan. Meanwhile, Jesus is outside of Jerusalem, and, and he's gathering in Bethany in Bethpage, and then, then he's going to come in on a donkey. And so I'm going to read the passage to you. The passage is in Luke 19. The great thing about this passage... See, I didn't want you to get to the end because because in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the donkey incident is there. Every single gospel. There are a lot of stories that are related to all four, but this is one of them, and so every writer found this particular moment important. I'm going to read in Luke. You can turn to Mark, you can turn to Matthew, you can turn to John but it is in Luke chapter 19. As Jesus approached the Mount of Olives, he sent two, saying to them, Hey, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie the colt. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say that the Lord needs it. This would be like your brand new car that you've never ridden in, and, and someone kind of comes up to your car and says, uh, uh, the Lord needs your new car. It's as valuable, it's as precious as that. And, and so they go up to this colt, and, and they untie it, and pretty soon you're going to see the people ask him, what's going on? So the obedient disciples went to go steal a donkey. And those who were sent ahead of them found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying it, they asked, one of the elders asks him, Hey, why are you in time? The Lord needs it. And the man, in obedience, he lets it go. And they brought it to Jesus, and the disciples were the first, but they weren't the last. They threw their cloaks on the colt, and then Jesus, they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. And when they came to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, as already mentioned, The whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully, joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. and and, and anticipation of what Jesus is going to do, he's riding into Jerusalem. What is he doing? They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace, glory in the highest. Matthew adds, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna, the highest of heavens. And some of the Pharisees said to the crowds, of Jesus, some of the Pharisees have, um, in the crowd, they said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke these disciples. And as Rich suggested earlier, I should have had some stones up here. I didn't think about it. It says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wow. Wow, Jesus is coming down. He's coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's coming down from the Mount of Olives, they knew, and, and he's riding into Jerusalem. And, and, and a picture of this. Put the fortress over here on the right. The fortress of the Roman soldiers. A garrison of five to 600 of them. And, and, and every time you want to have a festival, you've got to go ask them permission. We want away from them. We want free from the Roman influence. We want to be able to worship as we see please, when we see please. We want all that gone. And over here on the left, over here on the left is the temple. And you would expect Jesus to come in And you would expect, if you're one of the disciples, now is the time. The guy can raise Lazarus from the dead. Who can hurt this guy? The guy can heal. No one's going to get wounded. The guy, uh, this is it. This is the time. He's riding into the Jews. He's going to do it. And he rides to the left. He goes, instead of, to the fortress. He doesn't do what we want him to do. He does what he chooses to do. That, my friends, is where the sermon is heading. Jesus entered the temple and the courts, and he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, my house shall be a prayer, a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Church. He didn't come to deal with them. He came to deal with us. He didn't come to deal with, with those people that we think he ought to deal with. He came to deal with us and those from being a people of prayer, a people of worship. And so he overturns the money changers. He overturns those things that, that cause people to stumble, that prevent people from being able to worship, those things that rob people so that when they enter the temple, they can't worship God because, well, the, the, the sacrifice they brought wasn't good enough. And so Jesus comes. He comes to deal with us he will take care of them on his own, but he came to deal with us there's a great passage I mean let me turn this into us so we understand the pitch the Bible teaches that the temple is or the temple of the Holy Spirit. see in 1 Corinthians chapter six, it says, "Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you whom you have received from God? you are not your own, you are bought with a price, therefore. Honor God with your body. The Lord Jesus is the Lord God of all creation, as it says in Psalm 24. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things on heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created for him and through him. Who is he? He, Jesus, is the God of creation. Who are we? We are the temple that the Holy Spirit then dwells on, and God wants to do some house cleaning. God wants to say, what are you doing that is keeping you from being a person of prayer? What are you doing that is keeping you from being a person of worship? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants you to invite him in every single day joyfully give thanks joyfully give praise and say lord jesus today today i give you permission to overturn those things in my life that are causing me to stumble overturn those things in my people to stumble lord deal with me first you'll take care of them whoever them is i've met a lot of christians who want god to deal with them first before they deal with us If if that person will only do this, then I will. We need to deal with, and God needs to take a left into our heart. We need to invite him into our life. Every single day, every single morning, we need to be like the priest and the Levites, singing that psalm and saying, Lord, I give you permission to open the gates of my heart, to come in, to be my Savior, to be my salvation. Who is he? the psalm asks who is he the people asks who is he you need to ask will you give god permission to come in to come in with great celebration there might be some people here who have never ever opened the gates of their hearts they have never asked the lord the creator the god to come into their hearts and maybe Maybe it's something you need to practice every single day. You need to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Are there things in my life that are causing me and preventing me from worshiping you truly and fully and honestly with my whole heart and thoughts and patterns and behaviors, Lord? Because he's here to deal with you. He's here to deal with you today, not somebody else. He's here to deal with you and not your health See, you don't come to Jesus as a living sacrifice and say, Jesus, deal with me and my sickness. And once I'm better, Lord, I will serve you. No, you need to be prepared to serve him regardless of your health, regardless of your time, regardless of your commitments. You need to give him your whole entire heart. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I call out to you, come in today and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Will you do that? Will you come in? as much of a celebration as the king coming into the city deserves. Invite the king into the temple of your heart every single day. Don't just do it once and call it done. Don't say, well, 20 years ago at a rally I gave my life to Jesus and and now I have completely forgot about him. No, every single day, every single moment, listening to a book on cassette. Actually, that's old school, huh? Listening to a, a, pot, a book on audio.com. And, and it talks about how every moment should be a moment of prayer. Every day should be a prayer of dedication. Every aspect of what we do should be, is this honoring God? Does this please God? God, I invite you into this moment. You're the king of kings. You're the God, have this moment. So every day, invite the king. Number two, deal with the things in your life that prevent you from worshiping deal with those things in your life that prevent you from worshiping. What are those things that when the king of kings come in, he has to overthrow in your life? What are those attitudes, those thoughts, those those disappointments, those hurts, those pains, those longings that have never happened. That that dream that never came true. And all of a sudden you're living a life 10 years post how that dream was broken. And you're living in light of that dream instead of today saying, God, I give you my life today. I, I, I give you this moment. I am your vessel. Use me as you see pleased. Palm Sunday is about Jesus riding into Jerusalem and going to the temple. The Christian life is about Jesus coming into our heart and entering into the temple and having his way with us so that we can worship him fully and completely. And so we're going to reread that psalm, in light of us inviting him into our hearts, in light of us asking, "Who is this King of Glory?" In light of us acknowledging that he is our King and our Lord, and we give a joyful celebration of the fact that the King of all kings, the ruler, the Creator of the universe, has given his gift of salvation to you, and his thing that he wants is for us to be his vessels of praise and worship this week. To echo and reflect who he is in your life. To call and invite your friends, your family, your neighbors to celebrate what he has done. Green, are you ready? Go. Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift the the king of glory The Lord Almighty, He is the King of Glory. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being the Lord Almighty for being the king in our life, the king in this moment, the king in our hearts, to dwell, Lord Jesus. Thank you for for riding on the donkey, humbly coming, and paying the price for us to have a relationship with you. So Lord, one of us, as we take this message of hope, this message of redemption, and we share it with others, Lord Jesus, remove those things in our life and in our heart that prevent us from from truly worshiping you as you have asked us to. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.